Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how Melchizedek was a true friend to Abraham because he took time to first look at his friend Abraham and see what he needed, then encouraged him. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org and on iTunes. Now, we've got a special offer for you as we begin the new year. Tom Cantor has written a book called Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. It's got uh, 34 of the most popular questions that Jewish people ask about the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got a wonderful offer in having this book, but it's also combined with another book that Tom Cantor's written called Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition to that, it's also got Tom Cantor's life story, his testimony on how a Jew came to know and put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a special offer never offered before, but it's got three books together, all in one. So you have the Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People, Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Jewish Messiah, The Life Story of Tom Cantor, all in one book. We have limited supplies of these. We've only printed a select amount. So you've got to call us today, 1-800-247-3051. You can call us now or after the program, 1-800-247-3051. Get this combination book of Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People, Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Testimony of Tom Cantor, all in one book. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching program. From Genesis. That's what verse 18 is emphasizing to us. It's saying that Melchizedek made himself a servant. Melchizedek brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. That, what does that show us about Melchizedek? That Melchizedek thought about others more than himself. He had an attitude of not looking on his own needs, but on the needs of others. That's the key. Melchizedek had a mind of caring about others. He's an example to us of how we should have that same mind in us to care for others. He's bringing bread and he's bringing wine to Abraham who needed bread and wine. That's the mind that's referred to in Philippians 2, 4 through 8, where it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind or attitude Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, think of the titles, the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, form of God, equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found in the fashions of men, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." So the Lord Jesus Christ gives us an example of how we're to serve others he, in, in his whole life. And then if it wasn't enough by what he did on the cross, he in John 13 does this amazing thing where it says he, he rose up from supper he, laid, supper, he laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he had. And then it says, later on in verse 12, it says, After he had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? He asked. You call me Master and Lord. And you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example 
that you should do that I should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant's not greater than his Lord. He said also in Mark ten forty five, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So Melchizedek thought of Abraham's needs, and therefore he brought bread and wine to Abraham because that's the type of person Melchizedek was or is. Now the Lord Jesus Christ, he thought of the needs of others. He thought of the needs of lost men, and therefore he went to the cross to die for their sins. And also on the cross, when he's there, he's thinking of others. And so in Luke 23, 34, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Forgive others, is what he's saying. In the midst of his immense suffering, his, his, his torturous death process, he's thinking of others. And he's thinking of their need to be forgiven. He's thinking how hungry they're going to be as they come for forgiveness, and he's saying, I will not send them away hungry. Now, what did Melchizedek do? Well, no one... First of all, Melchizedek was a friend, and, and, and no one's happy that's described by Simon and Garfunkel's song, you know, I have no need of friendship, friendship causes pain, it's laughter and it's loving, I disdain, and then he says, I'm a rock, I'm an island. Nobody's happy that way. And that's not true, <laughs> that anybody could be happy that way, because we all have need of friendship. We have need of friends. And so friendship is something that has to be maintained. As it says in Proverbs 18.24, a friend that has friends must show himself friendly. Now, how do we show ourselves friendly? How do we be a true friend? Well, what we can look at in verses 18 through 20, in the history between these two friends, Melchizedek and Abraham, and Melchizedek as a true friend to Abraham, and we can say, okay, what can we learn as we look at Melchizedek as a friend about how to be a good friend? So we learn how to be a true friend by seeing, first of all, he took time. Melchizedek took time to first look at his friend Abraham and see what did Abraham need. What was his needs? Just like Pastor Jim, I needed a helper out there. So first, Melchizedek saw that his friend Abraham was in physical needs, so he brought him bread and wine. Second, he saw that his friend Abraham was in need of prayer, so he prays for him. He's the priest of the Most High God. In fact, some of these words here are actually text of a prayer. Third, <clears throat> He saw his friend needed encouragement. Abraham needed encouragement. And so how does he encourage him? He encourages him by, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. So that's what he does. He says, Melchizedek went to Abraham's friend. He says, now come on, Abraham, let's count your blessings. Let's name them one by one. Number one, Abraham it was not just anyone who blessed you. You've been blessed by the Most High God. He cares for you. The Most High God cares for you, number one. Number two, blessing Abraham, you've been blessed by the possessor of heaven and earth. Number three, Abraham, God has just delivered your enemies right into the palm of your hand. Look at it, Abraham. Right into the palm of your enemies. Your, your, hand. your enemies, which were so numerous, which were so strong, God just rolled them right up, put them right into the palm of your hand. Now, Abraham, we just counted your blessings. We named them one by one. Aren't you surprised what the Lord has done? So fourth, Melchizedek saw that his friend Abraham needed to progress from counting his blessings to praising his God. 
That's a very important transition. It's a, don't, don't miss that. In verse 19, when he says, blessed be Abraham, Abram, there is a transition in verse 20 where he said, blessed be the Most High God. So the transition from verse 19, blessed be Abraham, to blessed be the Most High God is very essential. And Melchizedek knows as he encouraging his friend Abraham, he has to turn his joy from the blessings to the blesser. And that's just like the hymn hymn says it that way when it says, the bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my king of grace. And then it says, not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. Isn't that precious? There's the hand of the Lord giving the crown, and the eyes don't go to the crown, it goes to the pierced hand. The lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. So, fifth, Melchizedek saw that Abraham needed some specific preparation for what he was about to face. Melchizedek wasn't blind. He saw the king of Sodom moving in, and Melchizedek prepared him to think, Abraham, on certain aspects of God. He needed to be prepared to face the king of Salem. So Melchizedek plants in Abraham's mind this first truth about God. God is the most high God. You see Melchizedek just planting that thought in Abraham's mind. Abraham, you're going you're gonna to stand before a high king of Sodom who's going to make a proposal to you, but you serve the most high God, so keep your eyes on the most high God, and that'll keep you from buckling under before the less high God, the king of Sodom. So Abraham needed to be prepared to give up also all of his possessions that he had recovered from Kedilorimer. So Melchizedek planted the second truth about God. God is the possessor of heaven and earth. And all that stuff that you brought back for God, that's chump change, buddy. That's chump change for God. So don't get hung up on that. Now, in verse 20, we come, and Melchizedek saw that Abraham was in danger of becoming proud, which is a natural inclination, over what he had just accomplished. So, sixth, Melchizedek saw that Abraham needed humility to clearly see that it was not Abraham that did this, but it was God who gave Abraham the victory over his enemies. So Abraham's in danger of thinking that he's great. And so, so, so Melchizedek plants this third important truth about God in Abraham's mind. Melchizedek roots out the pride like a gardener would. He roots out the pride and he plants this very important word, and it's the word into, into, in verse 20. In verse 20, into thy hand. Blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. Into was a very important word, as opposed to the word by, by thy hand. We'll take time to turn to it, but you can look later. Isaiah 10.34 says, for a proud man saith, for he saith, by this by the strength of my hand. I have done it, and by my wisdom. Melchizedek purposely used that word into, and purposefully did not use that word by. Instead, he said, into thy hand, God did it. Not by your hand, you did it, but into thy hand, God did it. And that one word made all the difference in the world for Abraham to see that it was not him that did it, it was God who did it. And so Melchizedek blocks pride in his friend Abraham, and, what, and was Melchizedek successful? Did he really get, yes, he was successful. How do we know? The last part of verse 20, 
where it says, and Abraham responds now, and he gives him tithes of all. Melchizedek succeeded with his friend by causing him not to become proud, by causing him to count his blessings, by causing him to praise the Lord, and last, by causing Abraham to worship the Lord with offerings to God. Now, verse 21, okay, the interruption's finished, the preparation is done, the bell rings, Abraham goes back into the ring, verse 21. Now, Melchizedek says to Abraham, you're ready now, you're ready, go face your trial. I've prepared you, now you're ready. And so Abraham turns back, and he hears these tempting words of the king of Sodom. The king of Sodom says in verse 21, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. Oh, those are, those are classic words of the devil. Give me and take to thyself. That's always the way it works with Satan. Give me and take to thyself. There's always a price to be paid with Satan. Nothing's free. When the devil tempts a person, he doesn't tempt a person, just take. He says, just take. He says, give me and take. There's always an if. In Matthew 4, 9, when the Lord Jesus Christ was in the wilderness, the devil said to them, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Always a compromise. I'll give you this pleasure if you agree to sin against God. And after all, why shouldn't Abraham take all these goods to himself? After all, God had delivered them into his hand. After all, Abraham could use all that. Why should he take those goods? He fought the battle. But Abraham saw something, and before the king of Sodom made his proposal, Abraham had made a secret vow to God. Nobody knew about this. And now Abraham reveals that secret vow in verse 22. And he says, I have lift up mine hand to the Lord, the Most High God. So he says to the king of Sodom that he had already secretly, unseen to others, lifted up his hand to God. And he told God, He wasn't going to take a thread to a shoelace of what the king of Sodom had. That's a great phrase that Abraham used there, verses 22 to 23. Those words, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord that I will not take. Abraham looks at his hand, and he he lifts it up to God, and he says, with this hand, I I take things. And with this hand that I take things with, I vow that with this hand to only take what God gives me. What a great phrase. What a great practice for us to follow. How about every morning in our quiet time, we follow Abraham's lead is here. And we lift up a foot to God. And we say, with this foot I go. And I've lifted up my foot to you today, Lord, so that I vow to only go where you lead me. How about we touch our heart and and we say to God, with this heart I love. And I have lifted up my heart to you today, God, so, and vow only to love what you love. How about we touch our head and we say, with this, with this mind, with this head, I think and I meditate. And I lift up my mind to you today, God, so that I vow to only think and meditate on God. And how we touch our ear and we say, with this ear, I hear. I hear things with this ear. I lift up my ears to you today, Lord, and vow to listen to others, to hear how I can help them. How about touch our mouths and we say, with this mouth I speak. I lift up my mouth to you today and I vow only to speak what you lead me to say. And last, we can say with Abraham, with this hand I take and I lift up my hand to the Lord that I will not take what he does not give me. That's a great pattern for dedication. That's what dedication is. That's what dedication is. And he saw, because Abraham saw a problem, 
he said, he talks about it in verse 23. Doesn't want to take a thread to a shoe latchet. And he says, lest thou should say, I have made Abram rich. He didn't want the scenario to come about where the king of Sodom would come and say, oh, Abraham, how are you today? Oh, that thread, you made a coat out of the thread I gave you. I made you rich, Abraham. Oh, the shoelace. I used to use that shoelace. Isn't that a great shoelace? I give it to you. I make you rich, Abraham. Abraham said, no, that's not going to happen. That's an alliance of goods. That's an alliance of wealth. It won't happen. And so he makes this vow. And this is, a, this is, this is, this is where we see Abraham in his great resolve, in his discernment of what he sees down the road is going to happen. And he says, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let that happen. And he lives for God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Abraham, Lord, and help us to do more than just say Abraham our father, but help us to be the children of Abraham and copy what we've seen him do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, Abraham repented and turned away from the sinful temptation of the king of Sodom. What are some of the examples of what man needs to repent of shown in the Bible? Yes, and this is very, very important. Of course, because man has so many sins, it takes a long time to go through all of the, all of the sins that man sees to repent of. But there is a core sin. There is one sin that really is at the heart of many, many sins. And from this core, from this pot, comes out many, many sins. And that is simply stated the sin of unbelief. In Romans 11.20, it talks about the reason, the core reason, why were the Jewish people cut off, to say temporarily, from the vine? Why were they cut off? And, and of course, we know that that whole chapter starts off by saying God has not cast them off. In other words, cast them away. Cut off temporarily is not the same as cast off. And he said, God forbid, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. But they have been cut off temporarily. And it's a terrible tragedy. It's a horrible thing. And so God wants us to understand why they were cut off. Paul wants us, intensely Paul wants us, to understand why the Jewish people were cut off. And so he says in Romans eleven twenty, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. See, it's unbelief. It's a sin of unbelief. And if you think about it, if you put God out of your mind and you say, I won't believe in God, if you say God doesn't care what I do, so it doesn't matter whatever I do, I'm not going to be judged for it. If you say that, you know, when you're dead, you're dead and God will never get his hands on me. He will never, I will never have to stand before him and give an account. I will never go through judgment. All of that is unbelief, 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 unbelief. And that sets the stage for sin. Because you say, well, since I won't be judged, so I can get away with it. If I get away with it, I've gotten away with it. See, all of that is going forward with the cloak or the covering of unbelief. That's why unbelief is such a terrible sin, the sin of unbelief. Another thing that God calls us to repent of is wrong thoughts. You know, you might say, and we might say, well, I thought it myself. I mean, you know, no one saw it and I didn't see anything. Nothing came of it. So what? It's a wrong thought. So what? Well, Proverbs 24, 9 says the thought 
of foolishness is sin. The thought of foolishness is sin. So in other words, God says, if you're a man, you lust after a woman in your heart. God says, that's a thought. That's a thought of adultery. That is the thought of foolishness. And God says, it is sin. It is sin. And the thought of foolishness needs to be repented of. And praise God, he forgives us. And we all know the saying, you sow a thought and you'll reap an act. You sow an act and you'll reap a habit. You sow a habit and you'll reap a character. You sow a character and you'll reap a destiny. Where does it all start? With a thought. That's why God says, nip it in the bud. Cut it off. When that becomes sensitive, God wants us to be sensitive to the thought of sin so that when we sin in our minds, that we immediately go to the cross, get alone, turn aside, close the eyes, just say, oh God, please forgive me for that thought. Help me that I don't think that kind of thought again. Why? Because we're only one thought away from a sinful act. And God says, nip it in the bud. Call that thought sin. Thoughts need to be repented of. Second, a disobedience to God. We read in the Bible. We want to live in the light of his word. When the Bible says, don't do this, and we do it, that's sin. That's sin that needs to be repented of. What does he say in Jeremiah 3.13 to the Jewish people? Only acknowledge thine iniquity. In other words, when you acknowledge your iniquity, that's repentance. It doesn't just mean to say, oh, yeah, check it off, check it off, check it off. That's not what he means. He means, I feel really bad about that. I confess it to you, and I look with all my strength. I'm going to not do that again. Acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree, and ye have not obeyed. My voice saith the Lord. See, disobeying God needs to repent, be repented of. And then just generally wrongly treating man. Wrongly treating man. You know the, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery in Exodus 20, 13 and through 17. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife, thy neighbor's house, not cover his neighbor's wife, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. See, all of that is man wrongly treating man, which needs to be repented of. That's what's a good thing about repentance is to, to, to because it turns us back to God. Repentance is an improvement. When the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking in Luke 15, 7, he said, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over for 90 and 9 just persons which need no repentance. So in other words, God says, repent. It's a good thing. It's the path back to God. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning of our program, Tom Cantor has a book that he's written. We've combined three together in one. It's got Tom Cantor's Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People, Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Tom Cantor's personal testimony. They're all together in one book. Now, we have a limited printing of these combination books, and it's a great offer to start off the new year. It's even a good Bible study to start off the new year with, with great devotional topics about how you can identify the Jewish Messiah. 
Do the Hebrew Jewish scriptures support the virgin birth? What's the difference between a Gentile and a Christian? And many, many other questions and study topics. Great devotional study book. We've got a limited supply. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051. Call us right now. And also, if you have a lost Jewish friend, someone that's Jewish and needs to be reached with the gospel, we'd like to give you a free gospel gift to give to them or to have one sent directly to them if you've got their contact and address information. Now, if you'd like this free gift sent to a lost Jewish friend that you know, call us today at 1-800-247-3051. We'll send you Tom Cantor's life story on DVD and in a booklet form on how this lost Jewish soul came to put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll send that to your lost Jewish friend so that they can be reached with the gospel. one 800 247 3051 for this free gift. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Click on the sign up and click on the free Jewish gift button and you can fill out the online form. We'll mail that gift directly to you or to your lost Jewish friend. Again, this is free for lost Jewish people. You can go online or again, call us at 1-800-247-3051. You can also go on Facebook and find Tom Cantor on Facebook. You can receive his daily devotional verse through Facebook, or you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org to receive the daily devotional verse sent directly to your email or to your phone. So again, friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for the daily devotional verse or the free gift. Or again, you can call us for the three-part book of Frequently Asked Questions, Prophecy and Fulfillments, and Tom Cantor's Testimony. Get this amazing 2014 resource for a donation of $30 or more today, 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow.